It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where a main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy Jake. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the fantasy football player prop expert, Chris Dell. You guys can find him on Twitter as well, at MadJournalist. It is M-A-D-D Journalist. And you guys can find us at TheBettingPredators.com and the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. NFL Week 8. This is our Money Picks pod uh, last week. I don't want to pound our chest too much, Chris, but uh, we kicked ass last week, and we're hoping to go ahead, do that again here for you guys this week. And the first game we're going to start out with is Chris's Cincinnati Bengals, uh, a team that I'm high on, team that he would have been happy with had they won six games. Chris, I'm guessing you changed your tune a little bit uh, with this Bengals club over the last couple of weeks. They're playing good football, and they're going to play the Jets in this game. And they're laying a big number here, Chris, 11 and a half. We have a total of 42. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor here, Chris. You could talk about your Bengals, talk about who you like, any guys you want to plug in their lineups. What do you got? Yeah, um, you know, like you said, not to pound our chest too much, but coming off a really good week last week, I feel like we're starting to get really in tune with all the research we're doing, the utilizations, the trends, all the underlying data. We got our entire team, if you haven't seen already, Go to bettingpredators.com. We've got an executive summary, a.k.a. a player prop cheat sheet that goes game by game, breaking down all the relevant rankings and data, uh, offensive line, defensive line matchups, wide receiver, DB matchups, uh, utilization trends for individual players, and everything in between. So it's a whole bunch of us working on it every single week, and we're putting that out uh, for free for this month uh, before it becomes a part of our premium package. We'll also be running uh, a sale on our premium package for the rest of the season. Now they're almost halfway through the year. So a lot of exciting things to come. My player props column last week, I had my best week of the year, 17 and five overall, uh, plus 8.7 units. Uh, that was coming off a nice week six. We were over three and a half units up week six too. So plus 12.3 units the last two weeks, uh, obviously not a, a maintainable number, so to speak, but definitely something I think we can use in rising momentum, momentum of, excuse me, going for week eight and the rest of the season. So you know, talking about my Bengals, I mean, honestly, I'm starting to believe sleepy. You, you were on them from the beginning. I got to give you credit for that. And uh, I never thought going into the season, this would be a team where uh, could they make the playoffs and then could they win a playoff game? I mean, my goodness, like ever since I was a fan in the early nineties, my entire life, I've never seen the Bengals win a single playoff game. So you can, you can give me, you know, you can give me an excuse for my pessimism here, but I like this team, man. Uh, their, their pass rate over expectation has, has been climbing uh, over the last month since they opened the season kind of pretty slow. I think they were easing it in on Joe Burrow a little bit sleepy. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see it because Jamar Chase has been probably the most efficient wide receiver in the league. I mean, this guy's an absolute stud. Uh, and the thing I like about him, too, is that his average depth of target and his air yards actually went down in consecutive weeks from week six to week eight. His ADOT went down to 12.4, which is pretty, pretty, uh, still a pretty decent number. And his air yards went down to 31%. So you're thinking, okay, why is it good that two of his numbers are going down? Well, to me, that's actually a good thing. That's mean, that means he's getting easier targets in the intermediate parts of the field and becoming like a true alpha wide receiver one in the offense. And then T Higgins, man, like his numbers have increased in consecutive weeks. Now targets 43%, uh, a dot 11.8, Air yards share 44%. I mean, he has the same exact underlying data as Jamar Chase does. He's like the ultimate buy low in fantasy this week. And if somehow the Bengals blow out the Jets 
and some of their guys in the passing game don't really hit because they're just going to run the ball in the second half uh, and T Higgins doesn't pop off. Absolutely. Go try to buy T Higgins. If not this week, definitely next week, if you can uh, as well. So that, that's kind of my overall thoughts right now with the, with the two main weapons uh, in the passing game here. So I'm worried to play over sleepy when it comes to the Bengals, because I, I do believe that they're going to be able to handle um the New York Jets pretty easily in this game. I mean, th- this is one of those games where I just don't see with, you know, quarterback Mike White making his first ever start. Mike White actually played for my college, uh, University of South Florida. He spent, you know, some time as a starter there before transferring to Western Kentucky. Uh, and, you know, he's he, wa- he wasn't even able to hold his job at in college at a Conference USA school like USF. So it go, goes to show you there. I mean, credit to him for hanging around the NFL, but – I'm not expecting much from Mike White and the Jets offense uh, in this game here. The one prop that has hit every single week of the year, and even despite like a little bit of volume uh, that could go down this week because the Bengals possibly blowing the Jets out, I think you you have to go back to the well with uh, Jamar Chase uh, and his longest reception prop. He's hit a 30-plus yard reception every single game this year. You can get over 27.5 at minus 110. I think that's a solid number. I think if anything, he's – a He's going to be the guy that, you know, he can wind up finishing this game three for 90 in the first half with a long catch down the field. I know I mentioned his ADOC getting lower. That doesn't mean he's not getting those shots down the field. So I'm going to go back to that. I thought the Ravens would be able to game plan and kind of contain him in week seven, but he was still still able to get the catch, uh, the yards after the catch in that game and route to a huge day for 200 plus yards overall. So I like the Jamar Chase over longest reception prop more than I do his yards prop. Uh, and then just looking at the overall board, you know, T Higgins is a guy where I'm ready to buy him in fantasy. I don't know if I'm ready to play the over on his receiving yards yet uh, because of what I mentioned of, of the potential blowout factor there. Um, taking it to the Jets side, I think my favorite player props, maybe of the week, Sleepy, have to do uh, with the New York Jets. And when it comes to the running backs with uh, uh, Tyler Johnson and with Michael Carter, these guys – had a ridiculous amount of catches uh, in week seven when the Jets were getting blown out 54 to 13 against the Patriots. And I I think it makes sense for good reason too. I mean, uh, you know, Mike White was dumping down to the running backs a lot late in that game. And I think you're going to see something similar in this game. Jamison Crowder looks like on the wrong side of questionable. He might've been downgraded to doubtful now going into this game. Um, and he was going to have a tough matchup anyways, going against a from the Bengals. So I just think that with all the factors here, uh, the receiving yards and the receptions props are right for the attacking, uh, in this game, the Bengals are near the bottom of the league and allowing receiving yards, receptions and targets to opposing running backs. So I think we have all the ingredients here, uh, to play the overs on, uh, Michael Carter receiving yards, as well as Tyler Johnson, playing his uh, – I'm sorry, I'm calling him Tyler Johnson. I'm, I'm thinking of the Bucks receiver, Ty Johnson, uh, for uh, the Jets. I, I really like them a lot. Right now I'm actually not seeing them on the board. I don't know why that is. This is a prop that I gave out in our private Discord channel for our premium subscribers. Um, I, I like Tyler – I like Ty Johnson saying it again. Ty Johnson over receptions, which was two and a half receptions at plus 140 on DraftKings. I'd, I'd get that – I'd get that all the way down to plus 120 if I could. Ty Johnson over 14 and a half receiving yards, minus 110 at DK. Uh, And then Michael Carter over 18 and a half receiving yards 
uh, buy price I put at 19 and a half, right under 20. Um, I, again, it's, it's just too much. Look at what opposing offenses have done running back receiving wise against the Bengals. The Lions running backs had nine targets, six catches, 41 yards. Um, even the Ravens who don't throw to running backs at all, they, their running backs had seven targets, six catches, 48 yards last week. Packers, eight catches, 55 yards. Steelers, Najee Harris, 15 catches, 105 yards. Vikings, 11 catches, 71 yards. So uh, there's just too many reasons not to like these props. And I think the books just haven't gotten to the point where, you know, we haven't seen enough of a sample size to be able to inflate the lines to them yet. So those are my favorite props for the week. And then I do like the Jamar Chase over 27 uh, and a half longest reception as well. All right, Chris. Well, I don't have any props in this one, but I do have a question for you when it comes to my season long. I have Michael Carter. He was sitting on my bench and then I have guys in there like Khalil Herbert. I have Javante Williams. And I'm just like, well, who do who do I take out? I mean, I, I have I could pick from Darnell Mooney. I could take Javante Williams or I could take Michael Carter, Khalil Herbert. From everything you're saying, it sounds like one way or another, I have to get Michael Carter into my lineup. His over and under rushing and receiving yards was like 70 and a half. And I didn't look at his touchdown prop, but I'm guessing, you know, that, that that's probably relatively low too. Like I should have Michael Carter in my lineup for my season long this week, right? And who are the other options? Uh, Khalil Herbert, Darnell Mooney, and Javante Williams. And you can only pick one of them? Yes. I mean, I would give maybe a slight nod to Michael Carter, although I think that Khalil Herbert honestly deserves to be right up there with him. Uh, I'd have to look at that a little bit more. Uh, Actually, let me just take a quick look at my rankings here because I put those out in the site early this week. Uh, My first initial rankings run, Sleepy, I had Khalil Herbert 21 and Michael Carter 28. So I actually have Herbert ranked higher. Uh, He's getting like a workhorse role. When Damian Williams came back last week, like, even Herbert, uh, his uh, we'll talk about him with the Bears, but his work in the long down and distance situation with the team, like even when they're playing second and long, third and long, fourth and long, et cetera, went up to 100% usage. Uh, so I would – honestly, I'd play Herbert over Carter, uh, but I wouldn't blame you for playing Carter just because of the garbage time potential there. The Bengals have a pretty good run defense. So I don't think Carter's going to get much going on the ground. Uh, and I believe Ty Johnson's playing. I, I don't know why they took Ty Johnson's props off the board – and then the Michael Carter receiving prop went up to 21 and a half for when we gave it out of 18 and a half. So I still would play at least a half unit or more on Michael Carter up to like maybe 24, 25 receiving yards. Uh, I mean, look what they did last week. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like Ty Johnson and Michael Carter combined 16 targets, 14 catches and 132 receiving yards in one game with Mike White, who played less than the entire game there. And I think only two catches out of that whole total I just read came from Zach Wilson. He actually passed twice to Ty Johnson uh, before he got hurt. So basically um, all the underlying data, target share, targets per route run, route share, et cetera, all increasing for Ty Johnson, all increasing for Michael Carter. Tevin Coleman's already been ruled out, which is why I like them. But just because I like them in the props, I still would give a slight nod to Herbert uh, over Carter if you had to start one uh, this week. And I'll probably look at taking Michael Carter over in his receiving yards. The reason being is that this guy probably isn't going to change his stripes. You know, he only had a limited amount of action, and you saw what he did, you know, when he was out there. He was throwing the ball to running backs left and right. And then when he did go down the field, you know, he threw two interceptions. So uh, I will look at that. I, I like that. Let's jump over to Tennessee. Let's jump over to Indy. Indy, Indy right now minus two and a half. Total 51. 
I did see today Julio Jones will be out for this particular game. I leaned to Tennessee, Chris, earlier in the week, and I have to jump off them now with no Julio. Uh, Tennessee kind of righted the ship, you know, 5-2 and two right now on the season. Uh, they have a little bit of a lead here against Indy, but no, we've seen shorthanded teams go ahead and, and surprise. You know, Green Bay did that last night. You know, maybe Tennessee could do that um, here. I would strongly consider, Chris, like the one prop I was thinking about, and I really think that this guy has has put himself into, you know, a group of, of some of the best receivers in the league, and that's Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, I like his over 63 and a half. I feel like he's broken out of, you know, that that mid-range tier, and he he's stepping into that, that top tier. Uh, if there's, you know, multiple guys that he could replace, you know, maybe like an Allen Robinson or something like that. Like I would easily take Pittman right now over, over an Allen Robinson any day of the week. And Robinson was, you know, highly regarded as one of the, you know, top wide receivers going into this year. But look, Pittman, he's showing out, man, each and every week. I think there's a lot of talent there with that kid. He's got a lot of size. So I would look at him over his receiving yards for this particular game. That Tennessee secondary, uh, not exactly the greatest. And I don't believe they're going to get a whole lot of pass rush here on Carson Wentz, who's actually looked pretty damn good uh, the last couple of games. So that's the only prop I, I, I like in that particular game. I'm guessing you're probably going to look, you know, at some Tennessee stuff with Julio being out. That will open up some holes, obviously. But how are you seeing that Tennessee game? Yeah, I mean, Indianapolis doesn't have a good secondary. You couldn't really tell too much due to the monsoon game against uh, San Francisco the other night. But, I mean, I think that A.J. Brown should have a decent game. It's, the only thing that worries me about playing overs in this game is that these are two of the slowest offenses in the league, Indianapolis. They're the fifth slowest situation neutral pace offense on the season. And although Tennessee ranks in the top 10 in no huddle rate, they're still handing off at the seventh highest rate uh, in the league. So um, these are two teams that are going to be like we project to have one of the slower games on the, on the slate in week eight, which means we expect uh, lower snaps than usual, lower plays on offense than usual, maybe even lower points. Uh, than usual so you know I know this game opened at 48 and a half that I'll, I'll probably lean a little bit under uh, because it's going to be that divisional type of game I mean is Tennessee at some point I thought last week was a letdown spot for them coming off wins against the Chiefs and the Bills they look pretty dominated in both those games in certain areas especially their defenses looked really good over the last couple weeks we'll see if that holds up so there's no real clear edge here in terms of like offensive line defensive line pass rush etc but the pace of these two teams, they want to get out and run the ball if they can. Um, when they played each other in week three, uh, the game only had 122 combined plays. That's like more than 10 plays lower than the average game, which doesn't sound like too much, but it really does make a difference at the end of the day. Uh, having said all that, like I do think the number on Derrick Henry's rush attempts is pretty high. Uh, 26 and a half, like I would lean under for that, even though he did go over when they played each other back in week three, as I mentioned. But I think I really just want to try to pick it, uh, pick and choose the best unders to attack in this game, given everything that I mentioned uh, in my handicap so far. Uh, even the passing yards for Carson Wentz, like right now the projections have him for around 231. Uh, the line, the lines right now that I'm seeing are 245 and a half, so a 14 yard difference. You know, not too crazy for a quarterback to, to play an over under on, but it's pretty solid there in terms of value on the under at even money uh, at points bet right now for that. But uh, nothing too crazy for me jumping off. I want to see what happens with uh, T.Y. Hilton. It sounds like he's going to play in this game. Uh, that could, you know, 
limit Michael Pittman's ceiling. Uh, on the other hand, because Pittman's one of his worst games came against Houston a few weeks back when T.Y. Hilton had a monster game. Uh, and this is going to be a great matchup uh, beating the Titans in terms of they're allowing uh, the deep balls to be caught at one of the highest rates in the league. So I think Hilton could have a decent game if he's back and healthy. So want to see what happens with Hilton. And I, I, w- I really want to take a closer look at the projections to see what are the biggest edges in terms of the projection projected line versus the prop line and, and try to place a few unders on that as the weekend progresses. All right, good stuff on that game. And great call last week, Chris. I mean, you had the nuts to go ahead and say that you were going to play Henry under, I believe it was his rushing and receiving, or it was his rushing. It was one or the other. Could have been both. Rushing and receiving, yeah. Yeah, and you were you were you were way way in the good with that one. So, uh, solid pick on that one. Let's jump over to Miami and Buffalo. Buffalo going to be minus fourteen here, Chris. Total of forty nine. Look, I'm going to kind of use the same handicap that I just used on Pittman. I think Mike Kosicki is is getting into that you know upper elite talent of tight ends. You know that that group there. And right now, his over and under for receiving yards is forty six and a half. He's gotten nothing but he gets a ton of targets all the time. And with, you know, Devontae Parker kind of right now being questionable, he might not even go. You know, there's no Will Fuller. Um, there, there is a, a safety blanket with a guy like that. And he's going out there and he's making plays. He's putting up, you know, a decent amount of yardage, 46 and a half. I feel it's just too low, Chris. I think maybe somewhere around, you know, maybe 55, 58, somewhere in that area sounds correct. So I'm going to go ahead and play Gasicki uh, over here. And I think the game script sets up. You know, for Miami to have to throw, and Tua has actually thrown the ball quite a bit in the last two games, and and one of the reasons why is because I believe that they're trying to showcase him uh, that he can go out there and and at least you know complete passes, rack up some yardage, and get some and get some touchdowns. So I'm going to take a sicky over, Chris. That's the only one I really like in that one, and I like that one quite a bit. What do you got? Yeah, so we hit on uh, both of our props last week with Tua. We played him over pass attempts, over completions. Uh, you had his over on passing yards, so we went, you know, triple dip on Tua, so to speak. We hit all three of those pretty comfortably, uh, if I might add. And the thing about – I do agree with that narrative on Tua. I brought it up last week as well. Like, even him, like, he's got something to prove himself. But the whole – this whole thing with Miami has to do with, like, first of all, their offensive line is not good. They can't run block at all. Uh and even with Jacoby Brissett under center with their backup, like, a, you know, probably a little bit below average backup, if you, if, you know, if, if you could at least judge Brissett compared to other backups in the league, maybe he's an average backup. But just to go to just goes to show, like he attempted 40 passes the last time these two teams played. So I think that Tua, like I'm willing to go right back to his pass attempts prop. Like it's at 37 and a half right now. It wasn't out earlier in the week. That was the one prop I was waiting for because, you know, Buffalo still has the number one graded uh, coverage unit, according to PFF. And I believe that Tua might not have the most efficient day. Like, I'm not going to play his over yards. I'm not going to play his over uh, completions. But what I will play is the attempts because we're seeing, you know, a a pretty big spread in Buffalo's favor here. 13 and a half opened the line earlier this week at home, you know, total right around 50 points as well. Um, You know, even uh, prior to Tua injuring his ribs, Miami was operating at the second fastest situation neutral pace uh, that week in Buffalo. And when I talked about Jacoby Brissett going in there, so uh, they're, they're passing at the third highest rate in the league when games are close. Uh, and, and it's even been higher this past month, 67% pass rate when games are close. Opponents are throwing against the Dolphins at a very high rate as well. So I expect a lot of pass attempts from both sides, especially from Miami uh, in trailing mode for them uh, as well there. So 
that's kind of my overall thoughts in this game. That's the number one prop I want to attack. Uh, when it comes to the Bills not having Dawson Knox, their tight end, he's kind of emerged as one of the breakout tight ends in fantasy this year. Uh, I know that they have the backup tight end, Tommy Sweeney, caught a touchdown last week. I do think there's some upside there. Like, I don't know if I play him this week. Maybe, look, dart throw in DFS, sure, like in a tournament, not not in a cash game. But uh, I think that actually you could see all the receivers benefit more. Like, they could wind up going to more four wide receiver sets and not have a tight end on the field at all, uh, in which you could see Diggs, uh, Sanders, and Beasley, and Gabriel Davis. Don't forget about him as like a really cheap DFS dart throw this week where you want to put like a contrary. I think uh, Josh Allen stacks might be the highest owned stacks in DFS this week. But I'll tell you what, like a Josh Allen uh, stack with a Gabriel Davis with it, that's going to be one of the lowest owned stacks that could have the highest upside. So I don't mind going there uh, in DFS as well. But I'm worried here about the blowoff factor against Sleepy. Like if, if the Bills get up by a lot in this game, which I think they can, you know, especially coming off, you know, they got something to prove here. And coming off a bye. So I, I think that with the Bills, like I'm going to look for them to take advantage of this matchup. And I think the only thing I can really bank on again, like we've seen all season, whether it's Jacoby or two in there is the two of pass attempts. I know it's high, but honestly, I'd probably play it up to like 39 and a half. I, I think he's going to go 40 plus pass attempts again in this game. All right. Solid stuff on that one. Let's jump over to our next one here, Chris. We got, uh, we got Houston. They're getting a boatload of points here too. They're going to play the Rams. Rams are laying 16 and a half here on the road. Uh, Rams let me down that last week. I'm not too happy with that club. Uh, over and under 46 and a half. Chris, I wanted to ask you a question because I didn't know what to do here. I had Ingram on my fantasy team and now he's moved. So I'm like, well, do I go ahead and do the square thing here and just mess around with a bunch of David Johnson props? I don't want to go ahead and take any of the Rams stuff because I'm just not sure, you know, how long this offense needs to even be out on the field. Uh, Houston could end up, you know, turning the ball over a bunch. I mean, it just, it sets up for for one of those scary type of prop games for me. It looks like Davis Mills is going to be in the lineup here this week. So if, if it's anything for me, Chris, it's it's David Johnson. But is that just a square approach? I don't think it's a square approach. I mean, obviously it depends like all the options you have. But I think he's worth having on your roster. But it, it's a complete like crapshoot. I'm like, who's going to get the extra work in this offense? I mean, Philip Lindsay saw season lows in all of his metrics uh, last week uh, when, when they, when they played and now he could, he could be the biggest beneficiary of this trade. Like his snaps were down to 7% last week uh, against the Cardinals. His routes were down to 3%. Um, I, I just, you know, I just don't know with, with, with this situation. I'm not going to try to guess David Johnson's not the player he used to be. I, I see, I think that his ownership percentage in season long fantasy leagues is, is way higher than it should be because of his name alone, because he did have a couple years at the top of fantasy football, you know, in, in the past and, and credit to him for doing that. But it could be Rex Burkhead, man. We could see the same three headed backfield we saw before where it's all being split between Rex Burkhead, Philip Lindsay and uh, David Johnson as well. So that's some, that that's a situation where I really don't want to start a Texans back if I can help it, especially going to going up against the Los Angeles Rams back-to-back games for the Houston Texans as like 15 point underdogs or more, even playing at home. Look, if Tyrod Taylor was playing in this game, I'd be optimistic about a Brandon cooks. I'd I'd even be optimistic about a guy like Nico Collins, like second game back from injury last week, his routes up to almost 70% had a targets per route run rate at 21% targets, almost at 20% decent a dot of 13 or more yards. Uh, Air yard share was 43%. I just can't play Nico Collins overs uh, with Davis Mills 
at quarterback. I'm not willing to go there just yet. Davis Mills averaged at the target last week has gone down now in consecutive weeks to 5.2. His yards per attempt down to 4.2. I think we could continue to see those numbers go even lower this week. And I, I might be willing to go back to the well uh, on the Davis Mills props that we hit when he had his first start against the Buffalo Bills. He's now getting another above average, you know, borderline elite secondary uh, in, in the Los Angeles Rams here. So I'm going to look to Davis Mills unders for this game. I, I think that 223 and a half, you know, that's the line I'm seeing at Fantasy Labs right now. And this is something I've had circled on my list since the beginning of the week. I, I think that that line is way too high. Uh, and I, I just don't think that the Rams defense is going to let him get that much done overall, whether it's Jalen, Ram, Jalen Ramsey in the slot or, you know, the rest of the guys they have, on, you know, Aaron Donald in the pass rush, et cetera. So I would go to, you know, even like you can get a, not, not necessarily a rogue line, but his, his prop line is all the way from FanDuel has, 23 and uh 223 and a half 224 and a half but you can go all the way down to let's see here uh fox bet has under minus 105 for 220 and a half so i wouldn't mind playing that a little bit of extra you know juice in your favor there but i, I would go under 223 and a half minus 114 and i'd also take a very hard look at his under completions you can get that at plus money or even money plus 100 you can also get his pass attempts under 34 and a half projections have him for 31 and a half pass attempts that's a pretty decent margin to take an under bet on there too so uh you know Brandon Cooks like his his data his usage is awesome like air yard share target share it's elite compared to the rest of the NFL but the numbers are fair are skewed a little bit because the volume overall for the Texans passing game is low so even though Brandon Cooks is a league leader in air yard share target share it doesn't mean that he's getting more production on the field than the rest of the guys next to him because Texans simply aren't throwing that much. They want to run out the clock almost from week to week. I think that changes when Tyrod Taylor gets in there. Maybe next week he gets in there. Until then, uh, I, I can't play overs uh, for the Texans here. And I'm worried about playing overs for the Rams because this is one of those games where we thought last week they could get out to a big lead. This week, I think they definitely could get out to a big lead against the Texans where we just might see Sony Michelle, Daryl Henderson – running out the clock in the second half will blow out here. So uh, that's a long way of me saying, I think I'm just going to play all Davis Mills unders again and just go from there in this game. All right. So let me hit you with this one, Chris. Now we went through my first season long. Here's my second one. I had cooks in, I had cooks out, put him in, took him out, put him back in. And I'm like, all right, now I'm sitting here Saturday night. He's in there. Now I can swap him out with Michael Carter. So what do I do? Swap who out with Michael Carter? Cooks. Oh, Cooks with Michael Carter. It, it's a full PPR league? Yep. I, I think I'd have to go Cooks, man. I, I, I would still have to go. I, I know it sucks. Like, I was, I was talking about Michael Carter with the props. Sometimes the prop stuff – the prop lines were just so low with Carter. Like, you know, 20, 18 and a half receiving yards now, 21 and a half. Like, he could, like, get 36 receiving yards and be like, man, we smashed that prop. He doubled the prop. But 36 receiving yards in fantasy, it's like, okay, well – that's not really still all that great at the end of the day. So that's kind of my thoughts on that one. Um, you know, Nico Collins right now, this is one metric we've added to our research list from PFF. Like they give out their, they have their grades uh, coverage unit as a team. They also have grades for wide receivers against uh, uh, where they line up on the field against certain secondaries and defensive backs. And Nico Collins, as I mentioned from the uh, Texans, he actually has the third worst graded uh, wide receiver defensive back matchup of the week. 
So he's someone that, although he's going to be really cheap in DFS, I wouldn't go there. I think if anything, it's going to be Cooks, but I think the Cooks volume is going to be limited a little bit. Although, hey, you know, revenge game from Brandon Cooks, that might lead to a few extra targets more than normal. Uh, so I, I still would lean to Cooks over Carter in that situation in fantasy. Although Carter, I think, makes for a, a decent tournament play in DFS. Like his floor is probably really low for the Jets, but he could pile up those catches on DraftKings and you could be looking maybe five catches, 50 yards. Like that's a solid 10 point floor just based on his receiving volume alone. I, I, I just think that Cooks' floor is right around the same, you know, five catches, 50 yards area, but he has more upside for, you know, finishing long plays and scoring touchdowns in garbage time there too. So um, that's just my thoughts there. Like Cooks, Cooks is a very talented player playing against one of his old teams. I think that could be a little bit more motivation for him to put up some numbers in this game. All right, good stuff. Thanks for answering that question. Let's jump over to uh, the next game here. We got Pittsburgh. We got Cleveland. Uh, it looks like Baker Mayfield's going to play. It looks like Chubb's going to play. Landry uh, more than likely going to go ahead and play. So Cleveland uh, getting a little bit healthy here, but uh, give credit to uh, to Ernest Johnson. I mean, that dude showed out last time that he stepped on the field. But Cleveland, they're going to be minus four and a half here in this game. We have a total of 41. Uh, I went ahead, Chris, and I and I wrote up an article the other day about, uh, you know, one of the teams I thought that we could probably attack, and that was the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, with some fantasy stuff. And one of the guys that I had mentioned in there was the tight end. Uh, I think his name's Fryermuth or whatever the case might be if I'm saying that right. But Eric Ebron's going to be out for this game. Uh, he was one guy that I was considering. And then I was also going to consider him maybe in a touchdown prop because you can get him at four to one. I mean, he's a lesser known guy. He's, a, he's actually like a no name guy. But Big Ben's not going down the field a whole hell of a lot. You know, Juju Smith Schuster's not there. I wonder if we can go ahead and maybe attack that guy. As far as the Browns are concerned, you know, I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know, you know, what to do right now because I don't know what kind of usage Chubb's going to get. I'm not sure how much they go towards Landry. I'm not sure how much they have. Uh, Baker Mayfield drop back. Do we maybe look at, at somebody uh, in, in the backfield for Cleveland besides Chubb? I mean, I guess there's a lot of different ways we can go ahead and try to skin this cat, Chris. A lot of different options in this game. What are you thinking? Yeah, th- this is a tough game for me. I, I agree with you. I agree with you on the Pat Fryermuth call. I, I think that he's going to be a very attractive option in DFS. He might come with a decent amount of ownership because he's going to be cheap. But at the same time, you know, we saw his target volume. He almost became like, the next Juju Smith-Schuster in that offense. Like, don't don't forget that Juju Smith-Schuster, like, he's had a lot of injuries over the last couple seasons. He's disappointed a lot in fantasy circles. He's lost a lot of that burst that he had. He's, he's a big target in the slot, but he doesn't have the same agility, burst, quickness that he used to have. And we saw Pat Fryermuth all career highs, seven targets, career high, seven catches, career high, as well as 58 yards. Like, I, my note there was, like, he could be the new de facto Juju Smith-Schuster in this offense because – Deontay Johnson is going to keep being the low dot type of target and also run routes on the outside. Claypool had a down game. I think he bounces back because he was coming off a hamstring, hamstring injury against Seattle before, you know, before, before Pittsburgh went on a bye last week. That was in back in uh, week six. So I think Claypool has a bounce back game here. Um, Cleveland's defense is top five against the run, top five pass rush, but their secondary can be beat. And the rate that Big Ben gets rid of the ball, his release rate is like at the top of the NFL. So that's where I think you you could see the Steelers take advantage of the Browns here. They're going to have to take advantage that way because this is this is the biggest uh, offensive line, defensive line mismatch on the board. The Browns 
defensive line, according to EstablishTheRun.com, ranked number two in the NFL. Steelers offense ranked number 26. And an interesting note there is that, you know, like I said, Big Ben Roethlisberger, he's getting rid of the ball at the fastest pace in the league, 2.1 seconds uh, in, in the pocket, according to pro football reference. And that kind of might skew some of the numbers to make the Steelers offensive line look actually better than it is. Like they rank 30th in pass block win rate. The defensive line for the Browns ranks second in pass rush win rate. So we could see an even bigger discrepancy than what the actual O-line, D-line rankings are showing for this game. I love the Browns defense as a DST here. I think they come come in at a modest price tag. I think they could really get after Big Ben being at home, having the extra motivation, having Nick Chubb back in the backfield. So that's where I'm going to look. I do like Pat Fryermuth over his uh, receptions, and I like his over receiving yards. I'm willing to do a double dip on that prop. When the line first came out it, just a couple days ago for Fryermuth, I noticed it was over two and a half receptions, which I thought was a really good bet. But by the time I got to the board to make the bet, uh, it had already got steamed up. But I actually – kind of prefer this because the line was like borderline minus 135 minus 140 I really hate playing that because like a guy gets hurt and you lose that bet and you lose 140 dollars compared to 100 that you could have won uh but right now Pat Fryermuth over three and a half catches is that even money I'd rather play a three and a half catches of even money than I would over two and a half at minus 140 that's just me personally like I really hate eating that extra big there that's something I've been that's been a main priority focus of me this season is getting rid, uh, getting away from those t- type of bets. I'll take the adjusted line in order to get the better value on the VIG. So I like Pat Fryermuth over three and a half catches, even money. And then his receiving yards to me is just way too low. When you look at what the tight end, you know, Eric Ebron has been ruled out. That's a big reason why I like Pat Fryermuth again here, even though Eric Ebron played in the last game. Uh, Fryermuth I gave out to our subscribers at over 26 and a half. That line's all been steamed up all the way to 32 and a half so that's you know, again one of the biggest benefits of being in our discord and one of our our subscribers is like you're going to get real-time alerts every single time one of us makes a bet whether it's myself whether it's sleepy with a prop whether it's steve at avoid the big on a prop uh so that's going to be obviously something by the time i write my column and it comes out saturday night sunday morning you know i'm gonna have to put in there like hey i gave this out at, at 26 and a half and you know i maybe play a half unit up to 33 and a half so I'd probably only play a half unit where Fryermuth is on the yards right now, but I really do like his receptions prop. Um, and I do think that Chase Claypool, you know, obviously it's hard to trust Big Ben throwing a ball down the field, but you can get Claypool right now over 49 and a half yards at minus 130 on FanDuel. You can also play an alter line of over 52 and a half at minus 114. So uh, that's a that's a prop I've had on my on my list because – Coming off one down game, coming off a hamstring injury, he's now had two weeks to get to 100%. He hasn't been on the injury report all week. Big Ben, when Claypool's healthy, like he targets him a lot. I think Claypool's actually a really good buy-low candidate in fantasy right now. He could easily finish the year as a top 20 wide receiver, top 25 wide receiver in fantasy by the end of the season. Uh, He's just that talented, in my opinion. So Claypool, to me, that's my second option outside of Friar We already know what Deontay's going to do, and the books are going to reflect what Deontay's going to do. I don't think there's value there. But I do think there's value on Claypool coming off a couple down weeks, as well as Fryermuth with no Juju and with no Eric Ebron. So those are the two main places that I'm looking. And then with the Browns, I agree with you 100%. Just too much unknowns right now. We'll see how things shake out as we get closer uh, to kick off on Sunday. But right now, I, you know, I don't I don't really have my eye on any Browns props at the moment. You know what? I do. As you were talking, Chris, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm sitting here looking at the odds, and I'm like, well, this probably has the most value of any 
of any player when you're looking at a touchdown prop, and that's Dearness Johnson to go ahead and score a touchdown at plus 450. We know Chubb is coming back. Is he going to be 100%? I don't know. But even if he's 95, even if he's 90 or 80, it's going to create more value for somebody like Johnson. And the way I'm thinking about it is, is that he could actually end up getting more reps than Chubb in this game. But you never see Kareem Hunt with his touchdown prop at plus 450. So I believe that this actually sets up for Johnson to probably get more production than, than Kareem Hunt would get, you know, even on a healthy day if Nick Chubb was was healthy. And even if Kareem Hunt was healthy and Nick Chubb was healthy, um, there's just no way that, that Hunt would be aligned at, at plus 450. So uh, I'm going to give that out because I don't know how much Dearness Johnson is going to get, but I'm guessing he's going to get as much production as, as Kareem Hunt uh, would normally get. And with Baker with his shoulder situation and all that crap like that it's like well maybe even get more so I think there's just value in that number and and normally you do not get any value with touchdown props but if there was one that I could say that that there's probably value it's probably that and if you jump over to FanDuel his touchdown prop over there is plus 250 so something's not right here I'm taking Dearness Johnson on DraftKings at plus 450 Uh, I actually think there's value in that number uh, for a touchdown prop which is actually um a little surprising. If you feel like that, Sleepy, what I would do is I would go to play Nick Chubb under 18 and a half rush attempts because the over is minus 125. But I agree with you in that in that sense because, well, first of all, the Steelers have one of the, you know, probably top borderline between top five, top 10 run defense in the league. Um, and I agree with you. Like why Kareem Hunt's on IR. Nick Chubb, like, yeah, he's coming off a long rest. He didn't play, but – we don't know how serious that Chubb injury is. And Nick Chubb is very important to this team. Like, okay, you can make it through the year with Baker Mayfield with like a torn labrum and every other ligament in his shoulder seems like he's injured right now. But you can't make it into the playoffs and, and achieve any of the goals that you had with a banged up Nick Chubb. So I don't, I'd be really, so I think it would be a little bit, you know, a little bit reckless to say the least if the Browns came out and gave Nick Chubb close to 20 carries in this game. So at minus 105, I think there is value on Nick Chubb rush attempts. Uh, projections have him for around 16. When you see uh, a two-and-a-half difference on the carries, that's a pretty – carries, like one carry difference in the line up or down means a lot as opposed to like receiving yards where one or two yards doesn't usually mean that much. But uh, that would be the number one place I would look. If I had to make a bet on the Browns right now, I'm glad you brought up the Jordan Johnson thing. But to me, the one bet I would make right now is Chubb. I might, I might, I want to read a little bit more on what the beat reporters have been saying about Chubb. I haven't got a chance to dive too much into that yet, but right now, to me, that would be my favorite prop on the board is Chubb under eighteen and a half. I think that should be lined seventeen and a half, maybe more like sixteen and a half. To be honest, you know what I think, Chris, is as we're talking through this, is that take what Cleveland did again in their last game against Denver. It was all Johnson, right? I mean, it, he the dude he ran wild, but if you bring in Baker and you bring in Chubb. And then you also leak in there Landry. There's a lot of smoke screens out there. If it was if if there was no Chubb and it was Keenum, the game plan gets very, very thin for um, you know, for Cleveland as far as like, well, what do we what does Pittsburgh think that they're going to do? Well, they're gonna give the ball to this guy a ton, and he's gonna try to outrun us, you know, this entire game. So then it just throws in – it's like it, it really limits, you know, Cleveland to, to kind of expand the playbook or to, or to, you know, do anything trickier to try to fool Pittsburgh. It's like, well, we saw what they did against Denver. 
maybe that's all that they can do. And look, maybe they hand the ball off to the guy, you know, 25 times in this game and he and, and he runs wild and he, he just runs his ass off. But, you know, I believe there is some built-in motivation here too, Chris, is that like this dude is like number three, but every time he's played, Chris, I mean, you can argue – you know, he's one of the best running backs when it comes to, to, to fantasy. When, when the guy gets on the field, he might actually be playing for the number two spot in his head. Maybe he's like, you know what, this is my one chance to shine. Maybe I get picked up somewhere else, or maybe I could overtake somebody like Kareem Hunt. Um, you never know. I just think there's a lot of motivation there. And, you know, th- it could be a smokescreen because Cleveland needs to do something to try to throw Pittsburgh off from, hey, if it was Keenum and no and no no Chubb, whatever, we, we kind of know what they're going to do. Uh, and if they stop that guy, you know, my gut feeling says that there's probably no way that they would, you know, beat Pittsburgh if they became, you know, one dimensional with a guy like that. So uh, interesting conversation there. Good talk there, Chris. Let's jump over to Philly. Let's jump over to Detroit. Detroit, uh, they'll be catching points here at home plus three and a half. That team still has not won a game yet. We have an over and under of 48 and a half. I do want to circle back quick, Chris, to the Miami game. I like Miami plus the 14 points. I do like that dog. I think there's a lot of a lot. Of, I just think it's too many points. And I also like the dog in this one, Detroit, uh, plus the three and a half. I think Detroit will get their first win um, this this week. I think this is like one of the games where if they don't do it, uh, you're going to start hearing about the 0-17 talk. Now, as far as props are concerned for this particular game on the Detroit side, I don't have any. Miles Sanders will be out for Philadelphia. And I'm starting to see people talk about Gainwell. I'm starting to see people talk about Boston Scott. I don't know which way to go yet, Chris. I'm curious what you think is going to happen now with Philadelphia, and then maybe I can kind of hone in a little bit uh, on which guy I, I plan on taking. My my first gut feeling is just go after Goddard. He's he's the safe, he's the reliable guy. And because last week I took uh, I took Devonta Smith, and and he I think he came like a yard or two short uh, from hitting that prop. So I, I'm I'm just up in the air. You know, I know Philly really well, but I really think Detroit gets a win here. Um, and, and the backfield situation for Philly is a little murky for me right now. So what are you thinking? Well, uh, you know, I was all ready to fire on Kenneth Gainwell props. And news came out yesterday that Jordan Howard has been – not only was he elevated from the practice squad or they was signed to the practice squad, one of the two, but he's going to play this weekend. And the report was that he was practicing with the first-team offense. And – should that really surprise us at all? I mean, I remember a couple of years ago when I had Miles Sanders in his rookie year, and we I think it was whoever the other back was at the time got hurt, and we thought, man, oh, it's it's Miles Sanders' time, and then Jordan Howard comes out in a primetime game and like doubles Miles Sanders and carries. So we've seen this we we've seen this show before from Philadelphia. I don't know if their coaching staff coaching staff being new, if that's gonna change anything here. They want an in-between the tackles type of grinder. And especially in this game, like I know you mentioned the Lions really wanting this. I mean, the Eagles really want this game too. So um, I think because of that, you might see maybe more of a conservative approach here between these two teams. Like both these teams really want to win. Philly more or less to like keep their season alive, you know, for the most part. But Detroit obviously just for for pride's sake. You know, they open the the week as, you know, plus three you know, home dogs here. I don't know if Philly should be – minus three on the road against anybody but I mean the Lions have been so bad this could be could this be a letdown spot for the Lions after they gave it their all against the Rams and and almost won that game last week on the road you know maybe it is Um, I I think what you're seeing here is Philly has clear advantages in terms of their pass rush against the Lions 
Um, you know, you're seeing a plus 18 net rating from Philly's pass rush, number eight, graded by PFF. Detroit Lions pass blocking rated number 26. Uh, Philly also has a big advantage in their pass blocking as well. So I can't get away from Philly in this game. I still think that they're the team that I would take uh, to win here. But, you know, it's going to be tough for me because, again, like the Jordan Howard news, Kenneth Gainwell – I think Gainwell is a solid, uh, you know, not DFS play. I wouldn't go there. I think I would just say season long. I think he's a solid guy to plug in. You need an RB2. You're desperate for uh, RB2 in a deep league or a flex spot. You got injuries, bye weeks, et cetera. I still think that he's a pretty solid play because I think he's going to play a lot in third downs. He's going to get a lot of catches. So, but I think the, the books have gotten his lines to a point where I don't know if there's value playing Kenneth Gainwell over 32 and a half receiving yards. I think that's, that, that, that number seems right. If anything, it's a little inflated. I mean, the projections have for like 28, 27 and a half. So uh, still trying to sort out exactly what I want to play for this game. Sleepy because of everything. Um, Jalen Hurts in terms of his rushing, I think that's an area we can attack again because I don't think this is a game where they're going to fall behind. I think they're going to use what they can to win this game. And with no Miles Sanders, we could see a couple extra rush attempts designed for Jalen Hurts. So over eight and a half rush attempts. I definitely lean towards that at the moment, um, but I probably would lean unders for most of the props on this board. I think that a lot of the prop lines are being overinflated here, um, and I, I just yeah maybe maybe the Lions with, with Jamal Williams with DeAndre Swift that's the matchup they have to attack here. Like Philly is one of the worst run defenses in the league, um, so that's I think where Detroit has they have to take advantage running the ball in this game. Uh, Philly's secondary is halfway decent, but their run defense is really bad. So I think if anything, you're going to see maybe some Jamal Williams early, uh, maybe some DeAndre Swift. I I think they'll have success running the ball. And if I had to play overs, I think that'd be the only place I could go right now is Jalen Hurts running the ball and then the Lions running the ball too. And with the Eagles, yeah, they're going to run the ball, but who's it going to be? Try to pick a name out of a hat because honestly, there's no other way to try to predict that right now. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Howard, too, because I saw that today and I didn't even actually think about him uh, a whole lot for this game. All right, so let's jump over to our next one. we got San Francisco 49ers, Chicago Bears. Bears are going to be plus four here. We have a low total on this one, Chris, over and under 39 and a half. Elijah Mitchell over his rushing yards. Like, that's my favorite play in terms of props for this game. Uh, you know, the, Mitch, the, the mismatch, again, is just too much for me to ignore on the offensive line, defensive line here. And Mitchell has shown explosiveness uh, in the times he's been given opportunities. We gave this out at 69 and a half. This line opened a couple days ago at like 66, 67 and a half. So it was even steamed up before I got to it. And since we gave it out, uh, it's been steamed up at a couple books. Like the average line right now is about 71 and a half. I'd, I'd play Mitchell up to like 72 and a half, 73. I think he'll get to 75 yards or more on the ground. I think he could see close to 20 carries in this game. Uh, and then Cleo Herbert, I think, is going to have a decent game, too. I, I think that the books haven't gotten around to adjusting how much of a role he has and how much the Bears need and want to run the ball with Khalil Herbert, uh, who's shown a lot of explosiveness. And it seems as if he's he might have uh, basically relegated Damian Williams to a clear backup role at this point. Williams first came back from COVID. He was completely uninvolved. You figured, OK, well, maybe they give uh, carries to Herbert and third down snaps to uh, to Williams, but no. Herbert uh, saw season highs in targets, 13%. Uh, 
targets per route run, 22%. Herbert played on all the long down and distance, 100%. Anytime it's second and three or longer, third and three, fourth and three, Herbert's on the field for every single one of those plays in the last game. I was shocked to see that number. That was one of the biggest trends that popped, you know, kind of popped to me off the board looking at the week seven data. And that's a big reason why I'm high on Herbert from an individual fantasy standpoint. I have him in, you know, borderline top 20 back this week is because of that type of usage. So he could get a lot of passes. He's going to get a lot of carries. Uh, But having said all that, I just don't know if the touchdowns will be there for the Bears. And I think the Niners defense is good enough to where we can bank on them and the running game to take care of business here. And then again, like going into a bye, coming out, you know, hey, they could wind up getting blown out to the Cardinals coming off the bye in two weeks. And then you could see Trey Lance get in there because uh, – or or maybe, you know what, the week after that they play the Rams. Maybe after they get blown out against the Cardinals and the Rams, we see Trey Lance come in because the week after that they play at Jacksonville. So kind of looking ahead, speculating probably a little too much, but that's how I see that situation playing out. All right, good stuff there, Chris. Let's jump over to our next game, Carolina and Atlanta. Atlanta going to be minus three. We have a total of 46 and a half. Uh, I didn't know which way to go in this one. I'm happy, though, with my Cordell Patterson pickup in fantasy. Uh, I'm using that guy each and every week. He's helping me uh, helping keep me afloat there, Chris. I don't know if I'd use him for this particular game because the Carolina Panther rush defense is uh, is half decent. But I was actually surprised to see Mike Davis, you know, similar, you know, with uh, with his rushing prop uh, pretty close there to Cordell Patterson. So, And then you also have Russell Gage coming back. Kyle Pitts was in the mix. Uh, really good last week. Had him in my fantasy league too. So I don't know which way to go here. I don't know what to do with Carolina. I've been using a lot of uh, DJ Moore and DFS and stuff like that. Maybe I'll look at him this week. I'll let you go ahead and talk about this one first. Maybe you can kind of uh, you know give me something to look at because right now with this game, I I just don't have a whole lot. This game. Well, first of all, I'm going to be at this game going to Atlanta for the weekend, so that should be fun. Uh, we're going to the Bang uh, the Bengals game. I've got the Bengals on my mind. Uh, going to the Falcons game this Sunday. You know, Atlanta used to be my old stopping grounds. My sister used to live there. I really miss the city a lot. It's like my second home. And uh, I just wanted to be there for the for the buzz around the city, for the World Series being there for the first time since 1999. And I saw the Falcons were playing. I was like, oh, we got we got to go. So actually heading out on the road a couple hours after we're done recording this podcast. So it's definitely excited to be there. I feel like I have to make like one extra profit on that game just because I'm going to be there in person for it. So I got, I got the nosebleed tickets real cheap, but uh, right on the 50 yard line. So should see a decent amount of action in this game. Um, but I can only go unders, man. Like this is a situation where I think that the Panthers defense still underrated. I, I think the how bad Darnold has been has like masks or kind of hidden that the Panthers still have a pretty above average defense. Their pass rush is really good. Falcons offensive line is bad. So, you know, I don't, I'm not expecting too much from the Falcons being able to run the ball, but one prop that I gave out earlier in the week was Chuba Hubbard under his rushing plus receiving yards. That's been steamed down. I gave it out at 86 and a half. You can actually get uh, Chuba Hubbard right at that same number because it, it was steamed down from earlier. The opening line was 92 and a half. You know, by the time I was able to give it out, it already moved but I still like the under 86 and a half. He's only gone over that total one time all year, Sleepy, and that was against the Philadelphia Eagles when he had 100 rushing yards. That was the only time he's gone over like 75 combined rushing and receiving yards. So I really like Hubbard under 86 and a half rushing receiving. He's gone under that in five of the six games he's played. Minus 110 at Caesars is the best line for that right now. I'd probably play that down to like close to 80 if I had to. Uh, FanDuel has 84 and a half minus 114 but 
right? That's the one prop that I've played so far in this game. Um, Mike Davis revenge game, like he only had four carries last week. So I'm a little bit worried about how much can he actually play a role in a revenge game. I would probably lean to the under on his carries. Like he only had four carries last week. His carry line right now is at under 10 is over under 10 and a half. Um, his projected for nine. That still could be a little too high because, you know, where you attack the Panthers is through the air. Like they have one of the best run defenses in the league here. So my first thought was to take unders on Davis rushing for everything, but his rushing prop line is set pretty low, like at 35 and a half right now. Um, Man, I feel like even still, like if you look at Mike Davis in two of the last three weeks, like he had 13 carries against the Washington football team, very similar defense. He only had 14 yards. Uh, against the Jets, he had 53 yards. That was before the bye, though. So the first game off the bye, Mike Davis has four carries. Um, maybe we don't do the rushing attempts. Maybe we just do the rushing yards. Like I- I'm probably right now – my strongest lean in this game at the moment, something I'm considering making an official play would be Mike Davis under 35 and a half because we saw Patterson like triple his rushing attempts in the last game. And because of the mismatch in terms of the Panthers run defense being really good. Uh, Yeah. Mike Davis, maybe they get to the goal line and they put Davis, maybe they put Davis in there because they want him to score a touchdown against his former team. Uh, But I don't know if he'll get there on volume. So I think if I had to pick one of the two, It'd probably be under the yards, given that we've seen him get 13 carries for 14 yards in the last month. So I'll go Davis under 35 and a half rushing yards. Um, other than that, when I look across the rest of the board, I don't know, man. Like Darnold, he could be benched again, man. Like that's not out of the realm of possibility here. So that that makes me wanting to play unders on Darnold. I think the number one place I would attack right now, based off the projections, would be under pass attempts. Darnold right now is at 34 and a half. I mean, look. The coaching staff still wants to get out and establish the run. So how, how efficient will they be in doing that? Probably not very efficient. But at the same time, that's the number one prop that jumps out to me is like his passing attempts overall. You know the rushing attempts will be there. And Chuba Hubbard right now is showing as a value on the over 15 and a half carries. I don't think they'll be very efficient doing it either way, running or passing. Panthers have one of the worst offensive lines in the league, which isn't helping Darnold's cause at all here. So I'll go under Mike Davis rushing yards. I'll go under Darnold uh, pass attempts. And honestly, like any other over in this game to me, I'm just not seeing anything give me value on the board outside of maybe the Chuba uh, rush attempts. But I I just can't go there yet. I think it's a a little bit more higher than what I want it to be uh, at 15 and a half. So that's the only over I'm probably considering at the moment. But that's all I got in this game. Hopefully uh, I'll see some goodness for I got Ridley on a dynasty team. I got Pitts in my main home league. I picked up the Falcons D to stream them in another league that I'm in online on FFPC. So for the sake of me being at the game, having some fun, I definitely want to see those guys do well, but don't think they're going to make my prop card at the end of the day. All right. The only thing that gave me pause as you were talking there, Chris, and I was kind of thinking about it with Davis is maybe he ends up with the garbage time carries if Atlanta is ahead. That was my only concern. I guess I guess that's the only thing that would give me pause with that. Because I'm looking at it, I'm like, dude, that's that's freaking low. Like he breaks off a 15 yarder and a 12 yarder. It's like you're dead, you know. Especially if they're if they're in a decent spot to go ahead and and win this game, and they are favored at home. So uh, that'll be interesting. A lot of a lot of props that you could consider in that one. Let's jump over to Patriots and the Chargers. Chargers gonna be minus four and a half here, over and under 49 and a half. Uh, I like the Chargers in this game, coming off of a buy. 
I don't know who I would target in this one, but I sure as hell hope that Mike Mike Williams, you know, wakes up again um, at some point because I have him in my fantasy league, and uh, he's been a little bit of a disappointment uh, the last two outings. So I'm not sure what I would do here, Chris. I had Damian Harris last week. I mean, that, that dude's a baller, man. I, I wouldn't have a problem going ahead and look at him, you know, again this week. It's like he's like the safe option. I know Mac Jones is looking better, but you got to go to what's safe. At least I feel like that's what what New England will do. And, you know, I mentioned it last time. It's like, dude, trying to play Patriots overs or or play any Patriots guy with any confidence, that's been, like, extremely tough over the last, you know, 15 years. But now I feel like Damian Harris is a guy that I could rely on. I feel like the volume is going to be there. So I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll play his rushing yards over. I mean, we know the Chargers rush defense isn't exactly the greatest. I mean, they're, they're one of the worst in the league. So uh, Damian Harris over 71 and a half rushing yards. I'll do that, Chris. I feel pretty decent with that. What do you think? Yeah, I don't hate that play either. I mean, this is the Chargers run defense that is near the bottom of the league. They, they invite teams to run the ball on them. So, and they're really good at defending the pass. I mean, you know, you could criticize them in games. They get, you know, ran rush shot on like they had against the Ravens before they went on the bye. But if they actually get out to a lead and then they force New England to throw, they're going to be looking pretty good. I don't think New England's going to get away from the run unless they're down by maybe even three scores in this game. So I still expect them to come out with a run-heavy game plan here. Um, what I think, what I expect to happen overall is that, yeah, I expect uh, Damian Harris to get his work in this game. I also think Brandon Bolden should be involved. The Patriots fall behind. Although I don't know if the Chargers are just going to run away with this thing here. I, I, I think that you know, they do have an advantage that the Chargers do on the offensive line. I think Herbert should find time to pick his spots uh, in this game. A lot of people have talked about Bill Belichick taking away Mike Williams in this game, but you know, I understand the whole concept of Bill Belichick taking the other team's best player away, but uh, Sleepy, the, remind me, you, know, you have to remind me again, like when the Patriots played the Cowboys last week, I'm pretty sure they didn't take anyone away, did they? I mean, CeeDee Lamb was quiet, like in the – until the third or fourth quarter, but he popped off for a huge game there. So I don't know if you can take Mike Williams away. I do think there's value on Mike Williams under receiving yards. I think that the Patriots have a a solid group of defensive backs. And if they do scheme and try to take Williams away right now, projections have Williams for 60 yards. Uh, The mean is 66. So even in like a, you know, leaning towards like the over the highest we're seeing the average go is the 66 and his line at BetMGM, I believe, is 74 and a half. So if, if that's the case, like, I'm definitely going to look hard at making that one of my official bets for the week. Uh, because, again, like, if the Chargers jump out to a lead in this game, they might run the ball a lot as well. Although the one thing that's giving me pause right now is that – probably should have brought this up at the beginning for myself, so excuse me for that. But Austin Eckler, I believe, has missed back-to-back practices now. And he uh, – uh, Apparently he got injured on Wednesday in practice or like after practices, like hip was feeling really sore. So being downgraded to questionable late in the week is never a good sign. And I'm really worried about that going into this week here. So we haven't gotten official news on whether he'll play. If you're in a league where you need running back help, like go to the waiver wire right now for sure. Pick up Joshua Kelly. It's looking like he'll be the number one backup if Eckler were to miss any time and we've seen Eckler in the past come into games questionable get banged up and leave early because they don't want to like you know damage one of the biggest assets on their team as a playoff team so uh, that's my overall thoughts in fantasy on how to take advantage of that definitely stash Kelly uh, overall but 
yeah, that, that that's just kind of like where I'm looking because here's the thing, like the, the, the whole Austin Eckler situation, like that could really affect what we do with Mike Williams, with Keenan Allen. If, if Eckler's ruled out, then I'm, I don't know if I'll feel that great about the Mike Williams underplay as I did before. Although I will say Mike Williams under 75 and a half, you can get that at win bet. Um, I don't usually use that book, but I'm just looking at the oddsjam.com board. They show like about 10, 12 different books at a time. Uh, you can get under 74 and a half pretty much everywhere. Uh, Points bet has it. Uh, Twin Spires has it as well as Caesars and BetMGM. So that's probably be the number one place I'm looking right now. Uh, other than that, like I think Damian Harris's rushing yards, they're inflated because of the matchup. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see him get over 70 yards, but just the average projections have him like at 61. So uh, I don't hate the prop. I, I'm not going to play the under on it either. Uh, but it's just a little bit too high for me compared to what the averages are showing at the moment. So just my overall thoughts. To me, I'm waiting to hear Eckler's final status before I fire on any props uh, in this game. And then maybe take a look as well at some Mac Jones unders, given the fact of like Chargers have this massive run funnel defense could lead to a, a really low passing volume day uh, from the Patriots here at the end of the day. All right, good stuff on that one. Chris, let's jump over to our next game. we got a couple more to get through here. Uh, this is going to be – I think this game is going to be garbage. Jacksonville, Seattle. Seattle right now at home, minus four. Total 44 and a half. Uh, Geno Smith, huh? I don't know what to do with this freaking game, to be honest with you. i got to look into this one more, Chris. There's probably some good props in this one uh, that we could probably go after. I know Chenault kind of had a – a heavy target last game. I wonder if he could actually have like a big breakout game this one because Lawrence has looked a little bit better. I'm going to look at him, Chris, and, and maybe decide if I want to use him because some of his numbers were popping out to me. Maybe this is like that game where, you know, where Jacksonville's pesky, but um, I don't know, man, receiving yards 49 and a half, dude, that, that seems really low. Um, Marvin Jones Jr., I'll do Chanel, Chris. I'll take him over 49 and a half. I like that. I, I Screw it. I'll do that. What do you think? Yeah, I'm just right now, like the way you attack the Seahawks is through the air. Their run defense has really stepped up the last couple weeks. Um, on the contrary, like one place you really want to try to attack the Jacksonville Jaguars defense is on the ground too. They have bottom 10 in terms of their run defense overall, according to PFF. I mean, their coverage is, is right there at the bottom too, but can Geno Smith take advantage of anything? I think what you saw last week was you saw uh, Alex Collins, like even though Rashad Penny was back in the mix, Collins had 16 or 17 carries in that game. And that was a game that they were pretty much playing from behind from the entire way. I expect them to have a much more balanced approach again with, you know, trying to limit their passing volume overall. And I think they'll be able to keep this game a lot closer. Their defense has been playing well, although they've been losing. You know, they, they held New Orleans in check for the most part. And then they also, obviously besides Kamara just going crazy, I don't know, that, you know them not covering him for almost the entire game. That's a whole other podcast for another day. Um, but the fact is they have played overall pretty well over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm trying to look for the rush attempts prop and I don't see anything on the board at the moment for this game. Let me know if you see anything, Sleepy, when I finish here. But I think Alex Collins over on his rushing yards is a pretty solid play. Uh, you know, even coming into that game questionable like he did, and Rashad Penny was like supposedly uh, – Pete Carroll's comments on Penny was that he was going to be full go. 
And we saw what full goal really meant at the end of the day in that game was that Penny's really just going to be like the change of pace back. And Collins is the between the tackles grinder. So I think in this matchup, a much friendlier matchup than the Saints, who have one of the best run defenses in the league. Uh, Don't forget that just two weeks ago, Collins against the Steelers, who had one of the better run defense in the league too, he had 20 carries for 101 yards. So I'm very interested in playing Collins over the rushing attempts. I don't know where it'll be. I don't see a number right now. But in the meantime, I will go and play Collins over 56 and a half rushing yards. Best line right now, Caesars minus 115. Uh, A couple books have him at 57 and a half, but that's the number one place I want to go now. I just still can't trust Geno Smith for anything. If it wasn't for that, you know, should have been an offensive pass interference on Metcalf, maybe, probably. But, you know, maybe I think the line's going to be overinflated on Metcalf just for that alone. Metcalf's one of the best wide receivers in the league, but he's playing with one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. So I just can't go over on the passing game or receiving game for the Seahawks. Although I, I do think they could get a couple big plays. I think there could be value, man, on Geno Smith under passing yards, Sleepy, because if the Seahawks want to get this win, Seahawks need to get a win. Like they need to win bad. And I think they're in their thought, like Russell Wilson apparently is making quicker progress than we thought, but he's still not going to be back for a few weeks. They they want Russell Wilson to come back to a team that still has a shot at a wild card. And it, in order to do that, they have to win this game. So they're going to be all chips all in for this game here against, and I know Jacksonville's coming off the bye, but they're coming off a win that, that went into the bye. And maybe that could be enough for them to be fat and happy for the next month. So I, I'm expecting the Seahawks defense to dominate. I'm expecting for them to try to establish the run. I'm seeing a projected line of Alex Collins for 67 rushing yards. That's more than enough for me to take the 56 and a half over. Uh, and then I'm going to really look hard at Geno Smith under passing yards. Although the matchup on paper is great. I don't know if that's going to be in the game plan for the Seahawks is to let Geno air it out. So under 222 and a half, uh, I believe is the line at FanDuel. Uh, let me just double check to see if there's any other line out for that right now. But that would be the one place I would go over on the rushing for the Seahawks under on the passing. I think the best line you can get on Geno. Yeah. FanDuel under 225 and a half minus 114. There's a few other shots that have Geno at 218 and a half. So I, I would take advantage of the four-yard difference there and bet that on FanDuel. I, I, I like that prop as well. Those are the two props I'll make. Collins over rushing, Geno Smith under on pass. All right, good stuff there, Chris. Let's jump over to the Buccaneers and the Saints. I know you're going to say I'm crazy on this one, but uh, there's no Antonio Brown in this game. And Mike Evans and, and Lattimore, they have a history. And I don't think Mike Evans is going to have a monster game here. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, who the hell could I attack in this game that nobody's going to think about? And I really think that that's one of the things that the Buccaneers do good is they disguise who they want to go ahead and, and get the ball to. And, you know, maybe it's Gronk, maybe it's Bray, maybe it's Howard. You don't know. You know, who I actually think is going to end up with some type of a run in this game is Ronald Jones. Um, he's been slowly but surely working his way back. And there's there's literally like there, there's no props on him anywhere. But you can get him to score a touchdown at like plus 350. But if I could find some rushing props, maybe even some receiving props or something like that, Uh, I'll certainly consider them, but I know you're not going to like it, but I think that this is one of the games where, you know, Tampa Bay throws a pivot uh, because they're good at doing that. You know, it's like, oh, you know, you think you're going to get, you know, just a bunch of a bunch of Chris Godwin in this game. And and that's great. But you know what? Uh, When you're you're thinking this team's going left, they they go right on you because they just have so much depth. Maybe even see, uh, you know, some of the other guys get in there that that, you know, don't get a whole hell of a lot of uh, 
know, airtime too. I think, I think it's one of those type of game plans uh, where they just throw a whole lot of monkey wrenches here at the Saints. So uh, that's what I'll look for. Can't find any right now. You can get Jones to score a touchdown at like plus 350. Maybe I'll just go ahead and throw a little pizza bet on that. But what are you thinking about for that game? All right. So what I'm looking at is Mike Evans unders because I'll, I'll, okay, the obvious reason is Marshawn Lattimore. Lattimore's had Evans' number over the years. He's held Evans to some of the, his worst games in his career, right? Um, but another, a couple of the reasons why I like the under is because, first of all, look at the receptions prop for Mike Evans. I believe what I'm looking at right now, and let me just pull up the updated numbers to make sure I got the up-to-date lines here, but Fantasy Labs is showing minus 165 to under on five-and-a-half catches for Evans. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much across the board. Like the best line you can get is win bet minus 145. You can even, you know, even like, uh, I think DraftKings has minus one. I'm not playing 165 for anything, man, unless it's one of just a crazy prop. But that's what I think, like in terms of like, so you're seeing the, the minus 160, 165 on under five and a half catches, but I would rather play the under on yardage for Evans because, I believe that this is a game where Gronk is coming back to. We saw Evans is like one of the clear beneficiaries uh, for, you know, the Bucks in terms of like he can be almost like a de facto tight end on the field and give that big body threat in the red zone. Uh, the couple times that Evans has had really tough matchups with shadow coverage was Darius Slay two weeks ago on Thursday Night Football. And what, ha- what, what what do we know, Sleepy? Brady won't force it ever. Brady will not force the ball to an individual player on the field, right? So uh, in that Philly game, even though Brady went off, Mike Evans, four targets, two catches, 27 yards. Um, week one against Dallas in a shootout, Trevon Diggs, really good coverage. Co- didn't cover Evans the whole game, but, but did for a lot of the game. Evans, six targets, three catches, 24 yards. So those two Two of the toughest matchups he's had all year. He's had 27 yards and 24 yards. Uh, I might just split this bet in half here. And what I do like, as I mentioned this earlier, I would rather bet Mike Evans under four and a half catches at FanDuel plus 124 than bet under five and a half at minus 160. So this is the type of bet where I think that I'm going to wind up probably splitting a unit in half or maybe take one and a half units, split it in half, Give me half of it on Evans under four and a half catches plus 124. The plus money makes me really like that play. What are the odds that he's going to land on exactly five catches? It could happen, obviously, but the odds of that happening are very, very low. Uh, And then Mike Evans under on the receiving yards. Right now you can get him uh, under 70 and a half at Twin Spires. And then a bunch of other lines have him at minus one at, at 67 and a half. So take the 70 and a half if you can. I'll probably would play it all the way down to around 67 where it is at, at most shops, DraftKings, et cetera. So uh, that's where I'm going to go. Uh, Gronkowski being back, back really makes me like that more. Uh, divisional game, New Orleans here. They really want to win. This is going to be a big prove-it game for them. And I think Brady, people might want to talk about Winston having a revenge game factor here, but I think it's more of a revenge game for the uh, Tom Brady because – He's going to be like, hey, look at the quarterback that used to be on the Bucks. Like, I'm 20 times better than him. So I think if anything, like, Brady's going to have the mentality of, like, he's got more to prove than Winston does, even though it should be the other way around. So I'd probably lean under passing yards for Winston because I think the line's gotten too high for him. And we've seen what happens is, like, people the, – the public has, like, shifted their thought process, Sleepy, to, like, 
the Bucs are a pass funnel defense. But what's happened over the last two games with the Bucs, their pass rush is so elite that teams can't throw on them because they can't, they don't have time in the pocket to do so. So I think that Winston 254 and a half projections show for 241. I'm, I'm leaning there. I might, I might make that an official play, but that, that, that's the only place I can look right now is unders for Evans, unders for Winston. This could be one of those grinded out divisional games. And these, both these defenses are really good, man. It's really hard for me to, to pick an over in this game. All right, solid stuff there. Chris, let's jump into our final game here. It'll be the Washington football team and the Denver Broncos. Denver right now, minus three and a half. We have a total of 44 and a half. Uh, I don't have a whole lot on this game, Chris, to be honest with you. This is probably going to be one of the boring games of the week. Uh, What are you thinking about for this one? Yeah, Washington-Denver, this is obviously a game you want to attack through the air. I mean, Washington's defensive line is top five. Their secondary is like the worst in the league by far. It's not even close. Uh, Having said that, I think that the books have adjusted, over-adjusted the lines for the Broncos passing game. Right now we're seeing Bridgewater's projected for like 231 passing yards. The line is at 250 at DraftKings. So this is what you get. Like even though you love the matchup, you love the, you love the fantasy play, the books sometimes are, are one, two, three steps ahead of you. They want you to like take all that information and be like, yeah, bet the over without you thinking about what the, act, what the actual value is on the over. So the week opens up for me. In my head, I want to play Bridgewater over passing yards. The line comes out, gets maybe gets steamed up right away by, by a couple of really sharp betters before I even get a chance to look at it. To me, no more value on Bridgewater's passing yards over, even though I did like that at the beginning of the week. Um, I do like the unders for the Broncos running backs in terms of their rushing because Washington's run defense has been elite all year long. It's just that they're getting beat through the air really bad all year long as well. So that's kind of my overall thoughts uh, for this game. I don't have any official plays on it yet, Sleepy, but Antonio Gibson has been full health all week. I mean, I know people are overreacting to the whole thing about him having a stretch fracture in his shin. They said that he's actually been surprisingly getting a lot better. And that's an injury that we have seen running backs play through in the past. Uh, Gibson, up until last week, I believe that he had had multiple targets in every single game uh, this year. I know people want to complain about Gibson not having the passing role this year. That's why people drafted him. But he's had at least two catches in four straight games. So to me, the it's, it's a thin play right now, but the over seven and a half receiving yards for Gibson – uh, it's really low. I mean, the projections have them between like 12 to 14. So I'm seeing value on that right now. Yeah, I know it's something you like, you know, Gibson doesn't catch passes. Well, it's not necessarily true. He's had at least two or three targets every single game this year. And he's had at least two catches in all but one game. So he is getting catches. And when he does, he's really explosive. I mean, he had a 73 yard touchdown catch in week three. So if he's at full, he's not on in the injury report at all right now. He's at full health. I think Gibson could be a really sneaky play in DFS this week, Sleepy, because the Broncos' run defense is not good. Uh, case in point, we saw what Dearness Johnson's my boy. I love him. Like he he went to my school. Like you know, I saw him play in the green and gold for USF for quite a while because I'm a huge USF fan. I follow their sports, although they're not that good right now. But Gibson, we saw what Dearness Johnson can do. Why can't Antonio Gibson do that too? That's all I'm saying. You know, Washington's getting a, a key to offensive lineman back into the fold this week. Um, that, that's just like, I know people want to look overs for Denver passing and I, and I don't hate them for doing that. I think that, I think that's where you go to DFS to attack that as opposed to props, but Gibson to me, a lot of sneaky value, the upsides there for him. I think he's going to come in extremely low owned in DFS. And I, I think he's a solid RB two this week in fantasy for season long leagues as well. So 
that's kind of my overall thoughts right now. A lot of things to work through in this game. Um, you know, I don't know. Picking This might be the hardest game for me to pick a side and total on. I know Denver opened the week as minus three and a half point favorites, a low total. Honestly, I'd probably lean over. I think that both offenses could wind up finding things that work in this game. We'll see what happens. What are your thoughts on this one, Sleepy? Because I'm kind of lost on this one. I like Antonio Gibson. I like his rushing yards over, actually, over the 51 and a half. I think that this sets up for one of those games where they're not going to allow Taylor Heineke to go out there and be the guy that loses them the game. And they're going to feed their playmakers the ball as much as possible. I think you'll see a lot of McLaurin. I think you'll see a lot of Gibson in this game. But I think they're going to start out running the ball here, Chris. I, I just believe that that's probably the recipe for Washington to have any type of success. You know, If they get one-dimensional and fall behind in this game because they're not using Gibson and you put Heineke in a situation where, okay, you kind of know where the ball is going. It's going to McLaurin. It's going to Ricky Seals-Jones then I, they're not going to win the game. And and look, I mean, Washington's 2-5 and five on the season, but they still have a chance to go ahead and, and kind of turn the season around now. You know, it's not going to get easy because then they got the Buccaneers the game after that. But still, this team could right the ship, and they could go ahead and they can, uh, you know, use their playmakers in this game. So I like Gibson over over his 51.5 uh, rushing yards right now. That's on DraftKings. Obviously, I'll look for a better number. And I feel like that is probably – the safest play that I can make in this particular game because I don't necessarily know what to do uh, with Denver. Uh, Jerry Judy's coming back, as you mentioned, right, Chris? He is going to be back. Um, But the the books have adjusted already. I mean, honestly, like Tim Patrick, man, like under receiving yards for him, uh, Cortland Sutton, if you you blind bet – because here's here's the thing is like Judy coming back to me has more of an impact than the Broncos being Broncos are more of a run heavy team as much as you want to believe it. I think they run on I read the stat earlier this week. It was in PFF's utilization report. Probably the best piece I read all week, by the way. Dwayne McFarland from PFF. Great article. If you if you have PFF premium access, if you can read only one article all week, read the utilization report. A lot of the info info I'm talking about with the trends in personal player data comes from that article. So shout out to PFF for that. But the reason I say that is because uh, the one thing I did take away from a team standpoint is that the the Broncos run the ball on first down, I believe, at the highest rate in the league. And I don't think they're going to have much success doing that. But then uh, Judy coming back into the offense means that less targets for Fant, for Sutton, for Patrick, even for the running backs too. So if you blind bet unders on every pass catcher not named Jerry Judy, I think you might have a pretty decent day. I'm not saying go and do that, but pick your spots and see what it is because right now I'm seeing value. Right now, Cortland Sutton under four and a half catches plus 120. Projection has him for four. So you're getting plus money on, on the projection that goes in your favor. Tim Patrick right now projected for 30 yards. The over-under is 40 and a half. Ten-yard difference for a low total, that, that's a big percentage difference right there. Even Tim Patrick under three and a half catches projection has him for 2.8 catches. So I think that's where you really want to attack uh, this game. Melvin Gordon, his reception line minus 160 under two and a half. I'm not going to bet that because the juice, but that goes to show you what the books are thinking already. I don't know if they've adjusted enough on the unders for the wide receivers, because I believe Judy's going to step back and and play. If if he's good to go, he's going to have like a full role in this offense in his first game back. Just make sure to double-check the reports on Judy before because I, I he did miss practice, I believe, today on Friday. But what, from what I heard is that it was just a rest day for him because he had gone like three straight practices and was feeling a little sore. 
So I'm not going to overreact to that. It still seems to me like Judy's good to go. But just double-check Saturday what the practice reports are. Make sure that Judy's on track to play. If he is, I would definitely look to attack all the unders I just talked about. I think with Judy, Chris, is, you know, this was, uh, you know, it was his coming out party to to the season again. You know what I mean? So they were probably pushing him hard. I'm sure he was pushing himself hard, you know, to go ahead and get himself in game shape, to get ready, to be able to go out there and play, you know, a full game. So I'm not shocked that, that he ended up being rested today. I mean, he more than likely probably deserves it. He's probably been working his rear end off. And uh, everybody at Betting Predator is working the rear end office too. Yeah, so I just want to let people know, you know, we have our in-season package. Obviously, we're about halfway through the regular season now, or we'll be close to that after week eight's over. Obviously, we have 17 games this week in a regular season. So as we approach the midpoint, we're going to be working on some sales and some deals for new subscribers to hop on board. We don't have to pay the full season rate. Um so look for that. Uh, if you want a discount on our premium in-season package, again, like I said, last two weeks on player props, we've been absolutely killing it. Uh, Steve Reeder does a lot of our, our best bets in terms of handicapping with power ratings and all that. He's hitting at like close to 60% on teasers, best bets, everything across the board this season, as well as player props. So he's absolutely killing it too. Uh, we have a really fun community in our Discord channel where we talk about live betting during games. We talk about start sit decisions and fantasy. We do DFS plays for every single slate, every primetime game. So go ahead and check that out. By the time you listen to this podcast here, we're going to have a reduced rate Halloween special weekend. We're going to be lowering our prices for the rest of the season on our in-season package. And we, we put out a ton of really good content, sleepy throughout the week for free. You know, my fantasy rankings and a lot of, the, a lot of other stuff too. But that's probably only about 25% of the content we're putting out that's actionable and valuable. So you can get that other 75% literally for less than a dollar a day by getting on our in-season package. So I highly recommend people subscribing for that. Everything from player props to DFS and everything in between when it comes to betting the NFL. So uh, if you want if you want a special discount code on that, hit me up on Twitter, shoot me a DM. I'll be more than happy to hook it up on top of the discount we're going to be running for this upcoming week as well. So I just want to throw that in there. Shout out to the whole team. Uh, Andrew working behind the scenes on analytics. Steve for everything he's been doing. And then the the cheat sheet executive summary research doc we've been putting together uh, that might be its own ebook every week uh, once we get that go once we get that going we've had that for three straight weeks now I know a lot of people have been using it uh, I, I to me it's a must like I got to read that thing every single week and what we're doing is basically we're taking like a hundred hours of reading time and we're condensing it into like something you can read in thirty minutes game by game we have everything you need from PFF data matchup data and player individual data trends and more. Uh, so check that out. We're, we're giving that for free right now, but that's something that might be in our subscriber package in the future. So again, let me know if you have any questions, but you know, this is a product that I truly believe in. I think it's, you know, like I said, criminally underpriced. We're doing so much for so little cost. Uh, you know, again, just go to bettingpredators.com, go to our uh, bettingpredators.com slash premium. You can find out all about it, get our special deal and hopefully you can join us for the rest of the season. All right, good stuff there, Chris. Awesome podcast once again. Hopefully we uh, hopefully we get to go ahead and duplicate our efforts from last week or improve maybe a little because we've been been on a little bit of a heater here the last couple of weeks. Uh, you guys can find us on Twitter at sleepyj underscore pregame at Matt Journals. It is M A D D Journals. You guys can get us at bettingpredators.com, and you can get us on the best sports betting information site on the web pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck in NFL week number eight. Enjoy the games.